Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. And uh, as promised, we're rounding up all the Singularity University faculty and interviewing every single one if we can. So today I have Nicholas Hahn, and uh, we're going to talk about his work both with and uh, outside of Singularity University. Nicholas, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah. So if, if you would, um, let me know the projects you're working on, because I know all the Singularity people are working on three or four at a time, typically, and uh, you know, it's, there's a lot to describe. So go ahead. Sure, sure. So my role at, at Singularity University as Vice President of Impact and Faculty Chair of our Global Grand Challenges is uh, really to, to help the university optimize its overall positive impact in the world, leveraging exponential technology and leveraging amazing innovators around the, around the planet. So that's what I uh, wake up thinking about in the morning, go to bed at night thinking about. Um, I also um, oversee our overall curriculum on Global Grand Challenges, frame those challenges, look for opportunities for innovation and activate innovators to come up with solutions. Um, some things that I'm thinking about right now is where we're, our impact metrics is very important to us. So we're taking another look at how we collect impact metric data. Um, I'm also, of course, have my own uh, activities outside of Singularity University that I, that I work on. Uh, but that's basically my world. Okay. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Singularity work. Um, so what are some examples of the projects you've seen and what are some of the learnings that you've gotten because you get to oversee so many? Well, uh, one learning is that a small group of determined innovators can come up with amazing uh, innovations and solutions to the world's biggest challenges. Uh, I've seen that time and time again because uh, I previously was the managing director of our Global Solutions Program. And we've had a number of amazing projects and innovations come out of there. Uh, things like uh, Made in Space, which is the first 3D printing man-made uh, objects in space, to uh, teams working on early detection of cancer, uh, to teams working on uh, um, drone delivery for different use cases. Um, so it's it's really quite amazing to watch small teams of people come up with innovations, identify a, a market need and market fit, and, uh, and be successful launching those companies. Okay. So you, you mentioned uh, Made in Space. I actually just spoke to them about the 3D printing they're doing on the space station, and that was great. Can you mm-hmm. go into detail about some of your favorite, and it can include that one, you know, about some of your favorite companies that have grown under your um, under your eye or projects that have been launched? Well, um, one that that, uh, that we're really, really happy to see the trajectory is a, is a group called Miraculous, which is an early detect, early cancer detection a mechanism with a low-cost unit. Um, they are navigating all of the FDA hurdles and whatnot to get their unit out there and, and prototyped. And, um, and it's really, it's an amazing trajectory that they're on in terms of if any indicator is um, the science behind it and, and financial investment in it, they seem to be on a very solid trajectory. Yeah, can you go into just a couple more details about what they're doing? Well, they're called Miraculous, and they're using microRNAs to, to do early cancer detection. Uh, and they had that breakthrough while they were at our Global Solutions Program during the, this 10-week hmm. program. 
a team of people came together from different disciplines, different parts of the world. And it's really just a good example of a collaborative approach to innovation. And, um, and within this short time period of 10 weeks, they actually had a, uh, a proof of concept prototype and they went, left the program uh, with intentions to continue as a startup company and they're, on, they're thriving right now. That's awesome. Wow. Can you talk more about the uh, the program that you oversee, the structure? You just said it was about 10 weeks. You know, How do people get into it and what goes on in the program? What activities do they do? Sure. So, think the, the, so Singularity University has a number of different project, uh, programs uh, going on. We have executive programs and summits and uh, uh, corporate custom programs and the like. Um, we have a digital education platform coming up as well. And one of our programs, in fact, it's the flagship program, some like to call it because it was the first one, is this Global Solutions Program. <clears throat> and in the Global Solutions Program, uh, the model has been to bring 80 amazing people from around the world together uh, who have high, pot- or high potential innovators, uh, mash them up in a very intensive program for 10 weeks where they learn about exponential technologies, uh, skills for entrepreneurship, and building a startup, they learn about the world's biggest challenges, and they form teams and, and come up with innovations to solve those challenges, which ideally then can be launched into viable startups after the program. Where does the program take place? Uh, you know, do you provide housing? Are they, uh, you know, is everyone yeah. together or people broken up into it's groups? A, it's, it's right here on our campus at the NASA Ames Research Center. Uh, they stay in dormitories provided uh, on, the, on the NASA grounds here. Um, it's a 24 seven program. They wake up in the morning, they go to bed late at night talking about issues, uh, innovating, co-innovating together, wake up early in the morning, continuing with their, their program of learning about exponential technologies and getting their hands on technology in terms of workshops. We have an innovation lab that helps them prototype and build. Um, and that goes on. And, um, and they, during about halfway through the program, they form teams and those teams drill down on a problem and, and a innovation and try to come up with a market fit in a prototype. What, what kind of people are allowed to apply? What kind of people do apply for the program? <laughs> is it just young people or, or anyone? Or no. Are, the, businesses? So anyone is, is welcome to apply. Uh, the, you do have to be over 21 years uh, because of the nature of the program, people living together and whatnot. But above 21 and really anyone who's an amazing innovator and has a comes comes at this from a strong technology background or a strong entrepreneurship background or a strong what we call domain knowledge in one of the global grand challenge areas background. And uh, we look for people with, a, with that sort of skill set and background and we mash them up in this program. Um, we source them from around the world. Uh, the application process for the coming program, which starts in June, is, is already closed for this year. And it'll open back up for, for the next year's program, probably around August. Um, so we're right now in, in the final selection mode for the candidates for, for the 2017 program, which is going to start in June. And uh, we'll be redesigning and relaunching at the end of the summer for, uh, for 2018. How competitive is the program? You know, for every, how many slots do you have and how many applicants do you get <laughs> uh, for each slot? Well, uh, we have 80 slots uh, total. Um, the rate of acceptance of per uh, application is probably on the order, it's just heuristically, around 8%. It's, uh, it's a pretty competitive process to get in. We intentionally reach out to communities around the world 
to try to get geographic diversity, uh, cultural diversity, uh, scientific diversity in the program. Uh, we hold something called global impact challenges around the world, which are national-based competitions, um, challenge, challenge competitions for people to come up with solutions to global grand challenges. The winners get to come to our, our global solutions program fully funded by sponsors. So we, we, that way we maintain our geographic diversity. Last year, I think we had 40 some odd countries represented in the program, which had 80 participants. So it truly is a global uh, program. And uh, like I said, diverse technolo- technical, entrepreneurial, don't, global grand challenge domain backgrounds. Yeah, that's a lot of diversity. 40 different oh, countries. Yeah. Diversity is um, kind of our thought, because when you mash up a, a wide range of ideas and perspectives and people make lateral linkages between concepts and, and ideas that they never thought existed before. So diversity is actually a strategy for innovation. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. It, it, it seems like diversity is, you know, oh, well, we're doing it just for the sake of diversity. But you're saying it actually manifests in more innovation. Is that right? Oh, I mean, yeah. how much, why, why do you think that is? What have you seen? Uh, why does it happen, um, do you think? So, yeah, for, so first of all, your, your observation is correct. Um, diversity isn't an obligation. It's, it's actually a, a, a strategy. It, it's, it, it's a fundamental principle and strategy for uh, coming up with amazing innovations. And that is when you put people together with a variety of perspectives, they'll make connections you never thought were possible before. So that's the mechanism. The, yeah. um, the, the, I've seen it play out because I've been working on that global solutions program for five years, for five summers, and I've seen time and time again, uh, people come from around the world, different cultures, different uh, academic backgrounds or expertise, and they mash up and, make, and they make connections uh, that were never made before, and they come up with innovations. So I've seen it play out uh, just as a fundamental principle. It makes sense. And uh, definitely it's, it's in the ethos of Singularity University, the, this notion that diversity is a strategy for innovation. So would you recommend that um, you know, small and large companies push for a lot more diversity because of this effect that you're seeing? Yeah, be intentional about that. Uh, yes, uh, and be intentional about uh, uh, about creating diverse settings and with diverse perspectives, um, and and to allow that to to interact with each other in a, in an organic way to come up with new new innovations. Uh, so yes, I think that's a strategy for innovation. Any aspects of diversity that um, the regular person wouldn't think about? I mean, there's different countries, so there's geographic diversity, there's cultural, you know, because they're from different cultures, there's gender, obviously, um, ethnicity, any other aspects of diversity that you found that are sure. important that, you know, the, well, all of those, all of those are certainly important. In addition, uh, age diversity is also very important. Uh, the older folks and younger folks are, are, are both highly valued on the table of innovation. They might have different perspectives on things. And I think that that's, that's another aspect of diversity, uh, which is important. Okay. Very good. Is there such a thing as too much diversity or no? <laughs> well, I suppose utter chaos, uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, diversity when, when, when celebrated, when managed, um, when moving towards a goal uh, is overall a very good thing. Has it caused any challenges for the uh, overseers to the event, or it's been pretty smooth? 
Well, I think anytime you, anytime you bring people from different perspectives together, there's an alignment on, uh, on vision and, and whatnot. And the more diverse those perspectives are going to be, the more, in fact, that's very hard to, that, that's the beauty of diversity is people will challenge fundamental assumptions in ways that you never thought were challengeable. And that opens your mind up to new possibilities and new connections. So I, I, I'd say the challenge itself is the opportunity in that case. Um, any, we talked about Miraculous and how you really like that company and the stuff they're doing is amazing. Any other um, amazing projects that came out of you know this work, this this um, I guess this camp you can call it. Any any other <laughs> things that you've learned that you didn't know about before? Uh, in terms of innovations. Yeah, things maybe that just struck you personally. You know, diversity probably is one. Maybe you didn't realize that it it drove innovation and was so helpful. Um, mm-hmm. You know the companies themselves. Any other insights you've gotten that you're you're really surprised about? Well, I'm, I'm always surprised by the uh, how persistence uh, and, and and dedication to an idea um, pays off, um, and and the willingness to take risks, uh, uh, experiment early or prototype early, um, learn from that, and and continue on on your on your journey. It, people, innovators by nature has to have an incredible degree of resilience and persistence and passion and curiosity that's driving them uh, as a more fundamental force than really anything else, whether that be potential money or fame and the like. Those things might be uh, drivers for some people to some degree, but the ones that really will get you out of, the, out of bed in the morning, really looking for that new breakthrough, putting in the time and effort is that passion and curiosity and and persistence that you are on, to, especially if that's aligned with something that's going to make a positive contribution in the world. And that's the space that I'm, I personally am in, is working with innovators who are dedicated to resolving these global brand challenges, leveraging technology for that. And when you have an alignment in that manner, that's, that's the kind of inner force that it takes for an innovator to see the struggles through and to actually succeed. And I've seen that time and time again. So it's um, I get very excited about solving these world's biggest challenges and looking at the amazing breakthroughs that we have across many of them that are happening uh, before our very eyes. Uh, and, and I get fascinated by the science of that. I get fascinated in technology behind that. I get fascinated by the, by the goals themselves of ending human suffering, living sustainably, su- sustainably mitigating future risks. Um, and I get excited by, by, as I mentioned earlier, the metrics around that and keeping track of how well we're doing and activating people towards uh, action and, and, and taking opportunities. So that's the kind of space that I'm in, which is uh, really exciting. How can people do this um, in their own lives? I mean, you said about 8% of people are accepted. So, for instance, what happens to the other 92%? You say, bye, see you later next year, or you, <laughs> you tell them, hey, don't give up. Here's stuff you can well, work on, you know. Well, Singularity University has many programs, as I said before. So it's not just this one program. We have many opportunities to engage at Singularity University. Uh, we have executive programs. We have online learning. We have our, our uh, Singularity Hub, which is free and available to anybody. Um, we do summits around the world. So it, there's lots of opportunities to engage with Singularity University. And we also have chapters around the world in different cities around the world that people can get involved with. Um, in the larger scheme of things, what else can people do is, you know, there are accelerators and, and hubs 
around the world for innovators uh, to to look to for support. Um, Singularity is not the only one, but we're building up this global network for people to have greater access in the world to this this way of thinking and to the network of innovators and people who really have this exponential technology mindset and this what we call an abundance thinking mind, mindset. That, that is the world's biggest challenges can not only be solved, but we can create a world of abundance. Do you find it's helpful to think at a different scale? I mean, most people, you know, are just worried about getting through day to day and their own lives and things like that. And then you're thinking about things on a, you know, a billion person scale. Um, uh, just yeah, that change we, in thinking, what do you think it does? Um, well, I think, yes, we're all are, are, we all are invited to think at a global scale on our, on the world's biggest challenges. And in fact, if anything, it's part of that recognition is that each one of us as individuals and small teams of people can have uh, massive positive impact in the world to, towards coming up with a solution to any one of the global grand challenges. So yes, uh, you have, we all have license to, to think that way. We're not used to thinking that way, but we have license to. And that's that part of that mindset shift that people who go through our programs tend to have. Um, and that doesn't mean that everyone has to be thinking at a global scale either. Just because you have license to doesn't mean you can't apply these exponential technologies and innovation mindsets and, and, and the like towards solving local challenges, utilizing technology for, for local challenges. That's the way we're going to ultimately solve the world's biggest problems is through these big moonshot global innovations and many, many, a plethora of uh, more local level innovations applying these exponential technologies as well. And yeah, we do need to think at different scales. So uh, just to segue a little bit, yes, you can think globally. And then some of the most amazing innovation is right now being empowered by the ability to uh, manipulate things at basic molecular and atomic levels. And this is some of the, the most fascinating, fascinating trends that's happening with technology and science is our ability to do so and the opportunities that that creates. Um, whether that be in the food space or the energy space or the water space, there's some amazing innovations that are happening at that level that allow us to act, to be more efficient uh, with our resource use and be more uh, intentional about uh, getting our resources in a sustainable manner in a way that allows us to have a price point that's more accessible to people and the like. Yeah, I can tell listeners one thing that's been really helpful for me and has given me a lot of inspiration is to get the weekly um, Abundance 360 Roundup newsletter and to get the Singularity Hub updates because um, there's always new amazing innovations there that uh, I didn't think about that are you know spurring us to get interviews and just keeping my mind active and alive. So I recommend that to all listeners. You know, they're both free. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Innovation? And they are both free and they're accessible no. to anybody. Any um, innovations that you're privy to that are, are close to being here or maybe a year away that you're just wowed by that people may not know about because they don't see what you see? Sure. Uh, a number. There are, there are a number out there which are rather fascinating right now. In the, uh, in the food space, the, uh, the whole, the, our, our current way of, of industrial meat production is incredibly inefficient and I have to say inhumane as well. And I say that as a meat eater myself, but it's inefficient and inhumane uh, the way we do things right now. That's going to get disrupted and it's going to get disrupted by science and technology. Um, 
And there are two broad ways that the meat industry is going to get disrupted. One is in vitro meat production. That's grown tissue engineering of of, uh, of, of muscle cells for to create meat in a sterile laboratory environment. And the other one is plant-based protein production. And both of these, and already you can get in your super, you can go to your supermarket and buy plant-based uh, substitutes for meat. And that industry, the technology behind that is improving dramatically. So uh, this is something I think um, we're on the brink of a, of a major shift uh, when we're able to get our meat, whether it be through plant-based products or tissue engineering, to get our meat in a more sustainable way is uh, on, we're on the brink of that right now, and that's in a very exciting space to watch. Another one is water, um, being able to either desalinate water at a price point and energy point, which is, is doable, or just recently uh, a breakthrough was just announced in, in atmospheric water extraction. Um, developed using new material science approaches, again, as I said earlier, at the atomic molecular level to develop materials which are hyperabsorbent to extract water from our, from our atmosphere and then to condense that into liquid form of water for us to be able to access. That could be a complete game changer for, uh, for water access around the world, which is getting to be a more and more pressing problem. Um, so within the realm of meat and water, uh, any companies or what, what are the names of a few companies that are working on these two items? Well, uh, Beyond Meat is already in your supermarkets right now. That's a more protein-based uh, approach. Uh, in the in vitro space, the companies are, are very new, uh, so they're, they're probably too early to even identify them. So this is a, it's a very nascent industry. Hmm. The, uh, on the water side, it's, it, the, the innovation that I just mentioned is in the lab. So it's something called a metal organic framework, which is a, a um, molecular structure which allows for water molecules to be absorbed in a highly efficient manner. So it's actually material science innovation, which is, hasn't made it onto the market yet, but they've already done proof of concept. And, um, and I, as I said, that could be a complete game changer. Okay. Well, very good. Um, we've got a few minutes left. Can we talk about the projects you're working on outside of Singularity University? Because there, every single um, SU faculty member has at least one company they're working on on the side. So I bet you got a lot of good stuff cooking. Uh, yeah, we're, we're encouraged to. So all of us faculty members are encouraged to stay active out there, quote unquote, in the real world. Because what we do here at Singular University is just all come up with the real world solutions. So the more that we're involved in the startup space and solving, using technology for good, the better. I have some... Um, Several, but two I'll, I'll mention. One is I'm a co-founder of a uh, company. It's a nonprofit called FieldReady.org, and uh, they do uh, rapid manufacturing for disaster relief in the field. So using 3D printers and other rapid manufacturing equipment in the field, in the deep field, if I will, um, during a disaster to create um, uh, objects which are critical for a disaster response or to provide relief to, to people. Another what are one some is examples a, of, uh, of things that you guys uh, make in the field you print? So we were in Haiti, and we were also in Nepal. Um, in both cases, they were for um, pr- printing out medical uh, uh, devices, not complicated medical devices as of yet, but plastic uh, couplings and the things like that, which are necessary for field operations, and they might run out or come in short supply, and we can print them there, and we can also print them uh, by design. 
out in the field. So those are uh, examples of what we did in both Haiti and Nepal. Okay. Another and what startup is, is on the more finance side, um, and it's it's very early stage uh, called Global Good Direct, and it is going to be optimized financial support to community-based organizations around the world to build what we call community public goods and to leverage blockchain technology um, and other uh, technologies to, to transfer money in the most hyper- efficient way possible to create community-based public goods. What, what are some examples of uh, community-based public goods? So these can, be, these can be of technology origin or most likely not necessarily technology origin. So an example of a community-based public good would be a seawall uh, for a community living on the, on the ocean where the sea level is rising. Another one might be replanting a forest or desilting a river or creating drought-resistant uh, drought, uh, Drought resilient, um, uh, like large bo- d- digging earthbound dams to cr- uh, collect water during rains for future drought mm-hmm. resilience um, and the like. So these are all public goods uh, that are good for everybody. No one has exclusive use over it. Your use of it doesn't detract from my use of it. And they're hugely important for overall prosperity and enabling development. And um and it's important that those be funded in the most efficient way possible, the transparent way possible, and uh, accountable way possible. And Global Good Direct will be is is developing the mechanism to do that. Okay, so so it could be a park, it could be, like you said, a dam, the whole backwater levees, or those kinds of things. Community. Yes, center. at community at community levels around the world, and particularly in low income countries where there's a gap in uh, public financing for for public goods. Yeah, that's true. Um, just last couple of questions about that endeavor. What countries are you seeing need uh, the most help? Or what areas, what continents? Well, in terms of extreme severity, uh, the United Nations just announced last month that we're witnessing the worst humanitarian crisis ever since the UN uh, was, was created uh, with the onset of extreme food insecurity and in some places famine. Uh, in particular, South Sudan, uh, across uh, parts of Africa and the Middle East. So in terms of acute food insecurity and, and famine, these areas are in great need right now. And they're a reminder of when things go wrong, and in particular these places, for the most part, are not due to natural causes. Uh, they're due to governance issues uh, and um, uh, corrupt some, in some places corruption issues. When things go wrong, it has real implications on people's lives. And uh, yeah, so well. if you ask where do we need to be looking right now, those parts of the world are very acute. Climate change throughout the entire planet is a, an incredibly complicated and urgent problem that we cannot be looking away from. We need to be investing in terms of innovation, political will, et cetera. Um, I'm happy to say that Singularity University is very um, is taking this uh, climate change in particular very seriously. Our global solutions program this year is, is the theme is climate change. Um, we're also going to be collaborating with uh, a number of organizations in the next few months to um, I, to possibly uh, have a public event around climate change and uh, technological innovation around that. So I, I, cannot, I can't quite announce that just now, but to watch that space for the next couple of few weeks, we might be doing a public event here in the Silicon Valley around that topic of climate change and technology. 
Um, so these are that, that's a geographic answer to your question in terms of most acute problems in the world, um, and also sort of a a global grand challenge of all the challenges that we have. Climate change clearly is an area that we need to be focusing on as a planet, as as humanity. Well, very good, Nicholas. You know, thanks for all the work you do. And uh, again, I love talking to all the singularity folks because every single one is a polymath, a renaissance person that's that's working on huge problems to help the world. So thanks for coming and taking your time. I appreciate it. Very happy to. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.